Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, guys? It's your boy Thunder Chats here with another word from our presenting sponsor, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from live games to conference championships, right through the Final Four in the championship game. BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAVE, that is capital letters B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. One more time, that is B-L-E-A-V, capital letters. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hunzinger, at Thunder Chats, where you're part of the Believe Network. This podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. The person that you definitely did not hear whooping in the background because his mic is on mute, uh, the one and only Maddie Moles. Yeah, I I, uh, I knew I was on mute. How's okay. it going, man? Um, very much a better environment to do podcasting tonight. Versus what I was going to have to do last night after a loss. So, um, Thunder won. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that. Um, pretty crazy game. Very much excited about the fact that we are doing a pod post-win. Because post-loss pods suck. Post-loss so. pods suck and post-loss pods suck whenever... They're one of the worst teams in the league with half of the rotation missing. So it, it would have yeah. been rough times. But uh, first of all, before we get started, just want to kind of give a brief explanation. Uh, I haven't been like super you know, vocal about this on Twitter or anything like that, but uh, there has been a gap in our most recent podcast episode and this episode you're hearing now. Um, you know, a lot of that just has to do with, I mean, we all kind of live busy lives. Um, but also, uh, Nova did have to go back to the hospital uh, about midway last week. And, I mean, he's he's still in the hospital tonight. Um, you know, he had a procedure today. He's feeling a lot better after that. So, hopefully, things are trending towards possibly coming home sooner than later. But that is, uh, that's why we've been absent uh, on the podcast. That's why I've kind of been... I've been more absent on Twitter than I have lately. I knew I was podcasting tonight, so I was like locked in the game. So I was, I was tweeting a little bit more tonight, but that's that's kind of the explanation. And uh, you know, he's gone through a really rough time these past couple p- past few days. So if you guys uh, think about it and you don't care to take the time to you know say we'll pray for the little guy, he's gone through a lot, but he's overcome a lot too. He's going to keep overcoming a lot. So. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my spiel on that. Now let's let's talk about some Thunder basketball, Maddie Moles. Before we get into the fun part of the game, you know, you talked about tonight being like a crazy game. The Charlotte game was a crazy game, dude. 
like I know it was a loss and like we could just do a single large item like and me and you both do one each and like just call it quits but <laughs> this this game was a combined 271 points like that's 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 a pretty crazy game and uh, if I'm gonna do my single large item uh, I'm I'm gonna do it on the uh, what's what's the word I want to I want to say the unlikely Thunder Big Three of Jayla Williams, Isaiah Joe, and Josh Giddy, uh, OKC's version of their their own Triple J, uh, combined for ninety five of our one hundred thirty four points. Uh, they all made at least eleven shots. They were all hyper efficient. Jay Williams eleven to sixteen, Isaiah Joe eleven and eighteen, Josh Giddy fourteen to twenty-two. They all hit a three. Isaiah Joe hit six threes. Uh, Giddy had ten rebounds and nine assists. On top of all that, I I mean these these guys were in full control of the game. And you know we we've seen Giddy kind of do this last year, and we've started to see Dub do it more and more this year. But man, Isaiah Joe putting up a career high thirty three had me flabbergasted. Yeah. Um, so you said that's your single large item, but you talked about three guys, so that's cool. Um, it's the big three, okay? <laughs> um, yeah. So you're just gonna take like seventy five percent of the production from the squad. No big deal there either. <laughs> okay. Um, then I'm going to say two things. One, um, well, three things, I guess. Isaiah Joe, incredible. <laughs> Loved how yes. aggressive he was throughout the game. Um, I, It looked early on like he could have gone off for 40. He was he was on that kind of level. Mm-hmm. Uh, J-Dub with the 17-point uh, second quarter was phenomenal to see in the way that he just kind of took over the game on both, both ends of the floor on six shots, the two, right? Uh, on six shots. Yeah. Um, two things, the two main things I'd like to highlight one PJ Washington just got whatever he wanted. Dort slowed him down a bit, but like J dub, it didn't matter what else we did. PJ was hitting the shots. He was five of nine from three and he, he cooked us for 43 points. Anytime that the Thunder made a run or did anything, P.J. Washington seemed to be the guy who had an answer until the very end when he missed a shot. And again, we couldn't get a defensive rebound, and then there was an easy putback, and that was all she wrote. Okay, so that was a P.J. We've we've gassed him up a lot on our pod about being a guy that we'd like to add to the Thunder roster. It was a great tryout. <laughs> it was a good and then the other, the, thunder. the other thing is got to be uh, his, um, his rotation and how deep he went. Olivier Saar was the only guy who didn't see the floor. Everybody else at least saw three minutes. Sarge came in long enough to brick a, t- a 12-footer. Like, I just didn't understand the rotation, especially that, that rotation to start the – of like Poku and JRE and man Butler and J dub. Like I never want to see that same five floor together again for the rest of my life. It was that awful. And um, there was a stretch of 19 minutes spanning over the end of the third quarter 
uh, all the way through into the fourth quarter that JRE was on the floor. Jerry saw 27 minutes, which was good for fifth most on the team. It's crazy. Just to keep just to keep that in comparison, I'm going off of memory, but tonight I think he only floor for like four minutes and then was out. Yeah, I don't remember seeing so, that much. So like coach talked about well, we're developing players and we're doing this and that and we're staying the course. That's coach speak, and that's fine. That's whatever. JRE saw the floor for four minutes tonight against a team that was highlighting some bigs. Could that have been Coach D was like, that was my fault. I I lost track of who was on the floor and when. I got too cute, and it cost us a game. He didn't say that, but his actions for what his look like tonight was a lot different than what it was last night. So I I think that he acknowledged his mistake. But 27 minutes on the floor, 19 consecutive for JRE, just usable by coach on that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> 19 straight minutes for any player is wild, man. Like that's that's a lot of basketball. Like that's 19 minutes of court action is probably like 30 to 40 minutes like real time of just what I mean cardio man like you gotta be like he had to be huffing some air there at the end of the game and you know that could have honestly contributed to why he didn't play as much tonight um but yeah I mean I, I don't have anything super negative to say about JRE because as soon as I did in the Blazers game, you know, he just decided to go off and turn back the clock to last year's uh, performance. Um, but I don't know, man. It's like, it's weird because, you know, you have a guy like Aaron Wiggins who, you know, spoiler alert, he played a lot tonight. Spoiler alert, he was very impactful tonight. Uh, you know, in the Charlotte game, he played 12 minutes. He played 12 minutes on a three-point loss. Like, this is a guy that impacts winning. This is a guy that saved basketball. Like, if – like, I, I don't care what kind of coach speak you have. Like, it's not even just about winning games. Like, you're developing talent. Aaron Wiggins is still developing, man. Like, I know he's an older player. But the Aaron Wiggins that we saw tonight is not the same Aaron Wiggins we saw as a rookie. Like, this this is a guy that's still growing and developing and learning in his game. There's a lot of guys on this roster that, you know, <clears throat> are considered older that are still developing. Kendrick Williams de- has developed since he's been here. Um, somebody that I was going to highlight, you know, talking about tonight's game and just like an overarching point for the season, Isaiah Joe has developed so much since he you know put on a thunder uniform. <clears throat> and so I just I I don't accept that as an excuse. I I think you can have your cake and eat it too in terms of developing players and you know trying to still win games. Um you know just kind of looking at the rotation. I know you got Poku and Ooze and those are guys and Trey Man and those are guys that I understand like you invested draft capital in. Those are guys that 
you believe in their potential and you want to give them a chance to, you know, kind of go out there and, you know, learn on the fly. But then you got Jerry Butler, a guy that you signed to a two-way deal, getting seven minutes in not a must-win game, but like, you know, a game that you definitely should have won. Um, And, you know, it's just kind of inexcusable, in my opinion. It's part of, I'm going to, I don't know the stats. I'm going to throw up my my Drewski hands here, but Mm -hmm. I think that dude, I I think that was the worst lineup we've had all season. Was that that lineup to start the fourth quarter? And that's just, how do you not fix that immediately? Mm -hmm. How do you not have awareness of the roster, the personnel that are out there? It's just baffling at this point. Like he got got too cute and he didn't own up to it. That's my stance. He got too cute. He lost track of time and combination of personnel. The game got away from us. Yes, we could have been better defensively. That shouldn't have mattered. Um, it's just it's it's playing and Butler was a DMP tonight. If that lets as, you know, as he should be. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, he he was a guy that I wish we picked up earlier in the season and like let him get run in the G League, but. Yeah, that's besides the point. Uh, before we move on from this game, which you know it, it was, it was heartbreaking. A couple more things, you know, just kind of at the end, it had a lot of the same feel as the game did tonight. Like guys were making plays. Dort kind of put the team on his back a little bit. Giddy was getting to the lane um, consistently, and Dub had a dare I say Shea like play, in which he you know kind of you know took his man ISO, got to a spot at the elbow and pulled up and made made the jumper. Like we were getting everything we wanted. Joe was making big shots, like everything we wanted. And you know, it just comes down to um, you know, what what's it Jerry always says, like you gotta win the turnover battle, you gotta win the rebounding battle, and you gotta win at the line. And we lost the game at the line twice. Um yeah, you know, between Giddy missing a free throw and Joe Williams missing a free throw, he only missed People one. People aren't talking about that one. They're not talking about J Dub's missed free throw. They're all yeah. talking about Giddy's. J Dub yeah. was eight for nine, and that one miss. And that was, one miss was backbreaking. No. Um, but yeah, you know it's it's in the rearview mirror. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it it doesn't matter. I think whenever I was trying to find the tweet, but you know, in retweeting every every reply to a game day tweet, it gets lost in the in the ether. Um, but I put out a tweet before we went on the road trip. You know, kind of predicting, like I kind of put our next few games in like different groupings. So I was like, we need to win this many. We need to win this many. We need to win this many. I had us winning three of these four games that were in the. Hornets, Pistons, Pacers. Uh, who's the other one? And the the, the Blazers game to start it, um, potentially? I don't Or are you talking just the road trip that was different? Oh, Suns. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. I had us winning uh, three of those four games. So, yeah, the Blazers, Hornets, Pistons, Pacers. So, if we win the Pacers, we're right on track. If we lose to the Pacers, then we got some issues that we got to work through. Like, at that point, then... I think I even had us winning two of the last four between the Suns, Warriors, Jazz, and Grizzlies, and we can talk about that later in the pod. But 
at that point, you might even need to try to steal another one of those. But I, I feel confident in our ability to beat the Pacers. Um, you know, we got a couple or no, we got one day off before that game. Um, I, th- I think there's a possibility Shea plays in that game just as a kind of get right game before the Suns game. Um, but we shall see. Uh, but before we look too far ahead, because we were definitely looking too far ahead, let's get to this game tonight, Maddie Moles. The Thunder were victorious against the Detroit Pistons, 107-106. I took the single large item in the last one. I took the first one in the last one. I made it a triple threat. So, Maddie Moles, I will gift you with the first single large item for this game. I'm going to take the man who saved basketball and potentially the guy who saved our season. Um, but it's not going to be the guy I think, uh, potentially. Um, <laughs> the guy who saved basketball, yes. Wiggins in the hit three three pointers and stabilized our team offensively when we were not getting anything done. Yep. Um, every single one of those threes seemed to give us a little bit of momentum at home, and the crowd really was. You could tell that the crowd felt the effects from last night's game, and it carried over into this one. If Wiggins doesn't have the second quarter that he had, I don't think that this crowd was would have been as engaged in the second half as they were. I don't think that OKC would have been in the position that it was. I mean, they already got beat 30 to 28 in the quarter, and that was with Wiggins kind of going off in that quarter and no one else really producing. So I got to say, like, Wiggins – People aren't going to talk about it because the guy that probably fought to contribute to this win. But if we're, we're not even in position to talk about the guy that you're probably going to talk about. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to talk about Wiggins a little bit, though, because, I mean, 19 points, four rebounds, two steals, one or two assists, one steal, two blocks, eight of 11 from the field, three of three from the three-point line. I don't know why that was so hard to say. Um, if you look at the bench, Aaron Wiggins played 32 minutes in this game. Um, the rest of the bench combined played, quick math, 16, 24, 35 minutes. So the rest of the other five players, Trey Manoli, VSR, Usman Jangelich, Pokashevsky, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl played 35 minutes to Wiggins 32. So I, you, I, I think it's fair to say – Dags kind of shrunk the rotation tonight. Like, I know a lot of guys play, but in terms of minutes played, he really shrunk the rotation there down the stretch towards the end of the, end of the game. And, you know, I, I think that you could even make the argument that he was treating this kind of like a play-in game, like a playoff game um, with the rotations. Now, <laughs> I know the naysayers probably going to be like, if it's a play-in game, playoff game, Olivier Saar better not be on the court. I grant you that, but... You know, here we are. But honestly, um, though, we needed him because um, Wiseman was was physical down low. He had eleven boards. We needed some size. Sar gave us a little bit, but yeah, I see your point. Very little bit. He was he <laughs> he he about put up uh, put up a Tony Snell line of zero, just straight zeros, but. Um, no, I was going to say uh, 
before I move on on Aaron Wiggins, <clears throat> you know, I put this out there, man. I mean, Aaron Wiggins deserves to play 20 minutes a night at least. Like, I'm not asking to play, play 30 minutes a night like tonight, but <clears throat> where he played, what did I say? He played like seven minutes in the game beforehand. Like, that's inexcusable. This guy makes winning plays. He impacts winning. He's always in the right play at the right time. He's always moving. He's not stagnant. He will take any matchup on defense. He will explode the passing lanes. He will get his hands in trying to get the ball. Like, he's so active. He makes winning plays, and he saved basketball. So, I don't want to see a DMP. I don't want to see a single digit next to Aaron Wiggins' name in the minute column for the rest of the season. That's that's all. That's all I ask. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to get to my single large item here. And uh, <laughs> I'm tempted to zig just because it'd be funny, but I'm not going to. This guy, oh, okay. <laughs> that was weird. Are you there? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to remove your other person here. Okay. Oh, you removed the other person there. All right, we're good. All right, what I was saying was I'm tempted to zig because it would be funny, but I'm I'm going to go with the guy that uh, won the game for us today and was just in absolute control, Jalen Williams, who, uh, you know, really made a name for his name. In Which one? The one we call Dub. <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah, he got the dub tonight. So 27 points, eight rebounds, six assists, and a block. He had 11 of 19 from the field, 1 of 1 from the three-point line, 4 of 4 from the stripe. <clears throat> and he was he was just huge, man. Like He was an absolute problem. He was backing down smaller guards. He was blown by the big guys. He was getting into the lane, seeming whenever he wanted, and his elbow jumper was you know, following. Like, he's, he's evolved so much as this season's gone on. I know that he's not going to win Rookie of the Year, and I know Paolo probably deserves to win Rookie of the Year because of, you know, despite his dip in efficiency, like, he's still putting up numbers and stuff. And, like, the Magic aren't a train wreck of a team. Like, they're out there competing as well. But um, that's, that's besides the point. Like, his, you know, we talk about development with this team. And obviously, Jalen Williams is in a different stratosphere in terms of the type of player he is. Um, whenever you're talking about the Aaron Wiggins, Isaiah Joes, you know, the guys I was talking about developing on the fly. But this guy that we saw tonight, the guy that we saw in the Hornets game, is not the guy we saw at the beginning of the year. Like, he was in full control. And much like Giddy did whenever Shea missed those games in his rookie year, Jalen Williams is really taking advantage of the times that Shea is not on the court to really grow and expand his game and like let him kind of spread his wings and fly. And, you know, he fits seamlessly with this team with ball handlers. Uh, you know, he's good playing off ball with Josh Giddy. Uh, he's good with the ball in his hands, creating for his teammates. Uh, he had a beautiful pass to Lou Dort. Um, they're late in the game to get Dort Nam one. Um, he had another similar pass to Isaiah Joe early in the game. Like he, he's the whole package, man. And like he just continues to grow and he continues to get better and he continues to just 
make my jaw drop. So, uh, and like I said, man, he lived up to his name. So shout out Dub. Shout out to him. Uh, Jay gets us the dub. Williams. It it looks as though we have a guy who's going to be potentially the second star on this team. I know like Down to Dunk has mentioned it. Like These are the games. This is the time frame where you got to see that. I will say you said this way before anybody else said that. You said in the t- in the text messages, and I was like, Hold, "Slow down now." <laughs> I I I think that I think that can be true. Fortunately for us, we're so deep and we have so much talent that it may not be as linear as that, right? It may just be different guys taking over in different spots, different nights. But he looks like he can carry a lot of that burden. Josh Giddy also helping to carry that burden. When both of those guys are on the floor together, magic happens with that ball. It, it, it swings all over the court from side to side. They both like to get in and do work in the paint. Dub has a little more mid-range in his, in his uh, bag, so to speak. Santa wants to reach in his bag and pull out a new toy he can. <laughs> um Giddy has been real effective at that like six foot, eight foot floater uh with precision. He's really good at finishing now with both both hands. These are guys that can make a lot of impacts on that end of the floor. But J Dub's ability to impact the game on the defensive end is so critical his ability to jump passing lanes or deflect passes or um just get somebody off course and his willingness to put in the work on that end has been great over the the course of the season but very frustrated with the effort that i've seen on that end of the floor basically from the entire team outside of jay will over the last two games it seemed like the team walked into these two games thinking they could could sleepwalk through it. And the next step in the development of J-Dub will be, yes, you can be a star offensively. Yes, you can be really good defensively. Can you keep up that effort defensively while carrying a burden offensively? And I, I don't know that we have that answer yet. It's obviously his rookie season. Most guys are hitting the wall right now. Um, if they're rookies, Jaden Ivey certainly didn't. He came out for blood because we didn't take him number two overall. But um, <laughs> it that's the next thing I want to see from him is if he's got a shoulder more offensively, does his defensive side slack off or does he just dig in on that end as well? Yeah, it's a lot to ask for. I mean, it's a lot to ask for a vet to do that. I remember when right. he was playing the Lakers in the playoffs – and Russell Westbrook was just torching anybody they put in front of him. Everybody's like, oh, we got to put Kobe on. We got to put Kobe on him. And it's like, then, you know, people would say, well, if we put Kobe on him on defense, he's not going to have the energy to go at it, you know, and get buckets on offense. Like, it, it's a it's a give and take league. Like, there's some guys that will go out there like your, like your Paul Georges, like your Mikael Bridges. Like, there's legit 3 and D players. Like, that's what they do. Like, that's what they're built for. But, you know, some guys, 
you know, like Paul George, Mikael Bridges, you know, those guys are more complimentary players. They're not necessarily the lead ball handler on the team. Like Jalen Williams, especially in this these instances, he's one of the lead ball handlers. Now, whenever Shea's, you know, playing and Shea's commanding those possessions, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you see Jalen Williams step up defensively in those times because he does have the energy to do so. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's definitely going to come with time. Uh, I mean, you know, we've seen time and time again, the dude just competes his butt off. So, uh, very proud, very happy, very excited for more of dub. What do you think his ceiling is now after having seen him over the last two months and, and some of the roles that he could fall into? Man, I mean, I know a lot of people said Jalen Brown. But I think he's a better ball handler and passer than Jalen Brown. Like, he's another guy that's, like, a hard comparison. Like, I know Sam Vecini said, like, a Luca light. He's not as iso-heavy as Luca. Like, I don't think there's a perfect comparison for him, um, you know, kind of off the top of my head. I would I would really have to think about it. And Like, Chris Middleton heavy (laughs) like potentially like early on like which chris middleton stud on a championship team like maybe he's not quite Giannis, but super effective i i don't know i see a lot of Kawhi in his game even like but he might he's obviously a, a more explosive player than Kawhi, but it's like it's like almost like if you took Kawhi and some of his like fundamental skills and willingness on defense and matched it with the athleticism of Jalen Brown, I think like that's kind of like the avenue that you get to for J Dub. I, I I have a <clears throat> shaky comparison I'll throw at you. We'll see what you think about it. Early career Jimmy Butler. I think defensively yes effort wise yes offensively he's better than early jimmy yeah he has more playmaking for sure i guess i was just leaning on the athleticism i don't know we'll think about it listeners what do you think a good (laughs) player comp for Jalen williams is j dub Jalen williams j dub dub j teletubby santa what have you just give him a player comp all right let's get to our next thing large item i'm gonna I'm going to go snake style on here, so I'm going to take uh, Lou Dort, man. Bouncing back after an abysmal performance against the Hornets. Uh, put up 20 points on 7-15 shooting, 3-7 from deep, 3-5 uh, from the stripe, 6 rebounds, 3 steals, and absolutely just banished James Wiseman to the shadow realm with a crazy poster dunk. Um, he had another two-handed dunk. Um, later in the game, and I tweeted, I was like, "Oh, it's it's crazy." Lou Dort fixed his finishing problems by just dunking everything. Imagine that. <laughs> and uh, you know, like I said, later in the game, uh, he, you know, obviously he didn't steal the victory because Shane Williams made the game winner, which I don't even think we even freaking talked about. So <laughs> shame on us, but we'll, we'll get back to it. Um. But, yeah, he made that play. I think we had 100 points, and Jalen Williams gave a bounce pass to him as he's cutting into the lane, and he finished an M1 layup uh, to put us up on a 3-100. So, I mean, he, he was everywhere, man. Like, he was 
so much better than he was against the Hornets, in which the fan base were just up in arms about him. And uh, yeah, man, I, I, I was happy. I was happy to see that out of him because, you know, I I don't hate Lou Dort. <laughs> like, I just like Chelsea says as I'm watching games, like you're so mean to him. <laughs> like, you're so mean. You don't want him to shoot anything. Like, you, you get so mad at him. Like, why? I'm like, listen, I don't have anything against Lou Dort. I just wish he'd take better shots. That that's all I'm asking. Like I don't even care about the number that he's shooting. Fifteen shots, go ahead, knock yourself out. Make them high quality looks. That's that that's all I'm asking. Lou Dort off the dribble is terrifying for me as a Thunder fan. Mm-hmm. Like it's just there's as much chance that it's gonna end up in the stands as it ends up in the basket. Like it's just it it's so frustrating he's getting a little better about picking his head up and finding somebody to pass to i still have never seen lou dort pass the ball on a fast break when he's leading it that's that's a drinking game take a shot every time that that lou dort is uh in transition and he doesn't pass like he might be um, staggering up the room right exactly um but when he's on, he's on. And when he's taking good shots, he's taking good shots. His shot selection tonight was a lot better. 7 of 15, that's about all you can ask for, right? Um, nearly 50%, just a tick under. Mm-hmm. 3 of 7 from 3, nearly 50%, just a tick under. Like, that's that's great. You know what, Bet You do you. Like, that. that's a very good game for him. Plus 9. And the plus minus 20 points or second leading score um, behind J dub. Good game by, by Lou. My single large item I, I uh, in the snake that I'd like to hit is 0 for seven from three by Isaiah Joe. It, it looked like, I mean, they all look good. They're all good looks. They were all how he normally shoots. It was just one of those weird nights where he was off. If he hits two of seven, which is, you know, around league average, what have you, like, he would be like that. That's great. And the Thunder are in a much different spot. Um, those didn't fall for him tonight. You know, the night after he hit everything, it took him a while to hit anything. So, um, that just happens. We roll with it. We survived and advanced, but oh for seven from Isaiah Joe. I don't think I've seen that all year. Yeah, and what's funny to me, anyways, is like I still feel like he really impacted this game, despite not making you know his threes and you know shooting like inefficiently. Like not only was he oh for seven, he was four twelve from the field. But this was something that I kind of made a mental note of early in the game, and it was like in conjunction with the Hornets game. Whenever we signed Isaiah Joe in the offseason, the first thing we thought was like, here he is. We got a shooter. We got a designated shooter. Like He is a specialty player that is going to complement this team. And, you know, I talked about how he's developed so much since he put on a Thunder uniform. 
Dude, Isaiah Joe straight up reminds me of a Jordan Clarkson type player now. He's not a guy that's just going to go out there and knock down threes. He's a guy that's going to go out and give you buckets in a variety of ways. Like, these past couple games, they run plays through him. Like, they have sets that they run for him as the ball handler. They have plays where they, you know, run him up, up around pin downs and, you know, other screens to get him open for shots. But, like, there's plays where he runs, you know, runs the offense. There's plays where he's cutting to the basket and they're looking for him as a cutter. Like, he's so much more versatile of an offensive player than we ever could have imagined whenever we picked him up in the offseason and very much more of a versatile offensive player than Philly could have ever imagined when they waived him. So uh, he's he's currently waving back. Sorry, Philly fans. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to kind of point that out. Like, we've we've got to stop referring to Isaiah Joe as a shooter because he's just a microwave of of offense coming off the bench. Um, and I, he, he's one of my favorite players on the team. So yeah, shout out Isaiah Joe, uh, who scored his thousandth point, thousandth career point tonight, and uh, somebody else who scored their thousandth career point tonight was also Jalen Williams. So. Uh, go figure there. Yeah, uh, pretty fitting that they both got the thousand point mark on the same night, a night after being the second time only that uh, three players 24 years or younger went off for 30 points uh, on the same team in the same game. Also, Harden, Westbrook, and Kevin Durant did that in the Thunder 1.0 era man um pretty pretty interesting for that something else is his explosiveness athletically mm-hmm. he took off yeah, with his cut. left hand uh and he he got fouled he didn't get fouled he was gonna slam that thing home from like eight feet away from the basket where he took off like he just launched himself and he had enough air to finish it uh, offhand like he is hunting his own now yeah and he but yes what's weird to me is that lou dort is such a big physical presence and he's so ineffective at the rim isaiah joe routinely is the smallest guy on the floor mm-hmm. and is amongst like the he's like the 92nd percentile in finishes around the basket in the nba that's like, crazy. It's insane how good Isaiah Joe is at sealing the deal when he gets inside the restricted area. And he's willing to like go all out and launch himself to try to emphatically dunk it in someone's face. He has that mindset like attack. He's on the hunt. He's going to kill. And say what you want about Murrow. Like he was, he was a, Fastest gun in the West, really good shooter for us. Like the killer instinct, like Isaiah Joe's got it and he's hunting it, but he's not forcing it. Like all seven of those shots that he missed tonight were within rhythm. They were all good shots. There wasn't one that I was like, you shouldn't have taken that. Mm-hmm. So just sometimes the ball doesn't go in the hole, but it's, it, it's great to see the growth and development that Isaiah Joe's had uh, from the beginning of the year to what we're seeing now. He's certainly a rotation piece across the entirety of the NBA. There are 30 teams in the NBA that would love to have Isaiah Joe on their roster. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
And, you know, it's it's not just the shots that he's getting. It's the variety of ways he can get them. I'm, um, you know, talking about the three-point line, like he can do it off catch and shoot. He can do it off the bounce. He can do it off DHOs. He can do it coming off, off of screens. Like he's, he's so versatile, man. Like I, I, I can't get over it. Like I think this is a guy that is going to stick around on this roster like for years to come as long as, He's willing to be on this team. I think that we're going to make it happen because, you know, it, it kind of like Kendrick Williams, he was a guy that people kind of wrote off. And, you know, we gave a chance and he took that chance and he made the most of it. And he's still making the most of it. So shout out Isaiah Joe, man, uh, with the Nelly band aid. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if that's like going to be a thing. He's just gonna rock it on the side of his face. Yeah, forever. like Rip, like Rip Hamilton did the mask. I like right. it. I like it. Maybe well, he should. Maybe he should. Well, from a distance, it looks like he's chewing on his uh his mouthpiece right. like Curry does. He's pulling a whole staff, just like all game. The entire matter. game never stops. <laughs> it's like, bro, your um, teeth hurting yet? Uh, what happened to Lindy Waters? He wasn't in the game tonight. Was he recalled? No, I thought he was hurt, bro. Um, he I was didn't at realize the game. Hurt. Yeah, okay. I, I don't remember when it was. I think it was like a week ago, but he was in an air cast in one of the pictures I oh. saw him in. Uh, I don't think he's in the cast anymore, but yeah. Push okay. D-League's over, I'm pretty sure, so he couldn't oh. be recalled. There we go. Okay. Yeah, I think he was just, yeah. Like I said, he's just nursing that injury a little bit. But yeah, man. Uh, well, let's let's talk about the game winner really fast because you know we kind of glossed over it, and then we can move on to the next uh, topic of conversation. Um, so, kind of walk me through this because uh, I, I was unclear on how we got the jump ball. I kind of walked out of the room and I came back in, and we're doing a jump ball with like four seconds left uh... in the game. Yeah, I was a little unclear too. I think like the ball went out or whatever, and they couldn't tell who it went out on. Type of oh, thing. That's crazy. And, and anyway, it was a jump ball between Lou Dort and Eugene. Was it, was it Omarui? Yeah. Yep. So like night two of guys going up against the Thunder. By the way, Omarui was like man. three, three of five from three in this game. So like that's fun. Um, after Teo Maladon torched us last night. So that's cool. And Svi. Um, and Svi Mikhailuk. Like, what? So, um, yeah. And then Giddy gets the ball. And in the second consecutive trip, uh, takes it to the rack, isn't able to get there, but kind of like has this, his like side floater that we've seen him be effective on before and it just misses, but he shot it early enough that that wasn't the end of the story. Oh, I was waiting for you to pick up the story. So J dub gets the rebound and, and a quick put back and it goes in with 0.5 seconds left to put the thunder up one Oh seven to one Oh six. And, um, obviously the Pistons, they, they throw the ball in with 0.5. They, they heave hove it. They don't have Deontay Graham, so they're not going to win and they don't win. And so, uh, 
yeah, J-Dub gets the dub off of Giddy's miss with Giddy being hyper-aggressive and uh, and going at the basket. So um, really crazy way to have to seal this win against the worst team in the NBA, um, certainly the worst team in the NBA on the road. Just uh, inc- incredible that we were able to secure this win in that fashion. But I really wanted Giddy to hit the game winner so he could do the dance, so he could do the jo- Josh Gritty off the court. He was not about happen. to hit the Gritty. <laughs> My dreams were dashed because I wanted the Josh Gritty to become a <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it obviously it was very important we win this game, uh, you know, just because, like, coming off the loss, like, getting that taste out of our mouths, bouncing back and where we're at in the standings because we didn't get much favors tonight. Uh, the Jazz beat the Spurs. They're still behind us, but, you know, they're creeping. The Clippers beat the Grizzlies. So, you know, uh, well, shout out to Russell Westbrook, by the way, who had a vintage performance tonight. I'm just, I'm just going to mention here real quick because, you know, we, we love Russell Westbrook. Uh, 36 points, 10 assists, 4 rebounds on 13-18 shooting, 5 of 5 from deep Matty Moles. That's uh, MVP Russ for you right there. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, our our friends in LA, the Lakers uh, beat the Bulls. Austin Reeves got revenge on Patrick Beverly with the two small, so He's that was small. funny. Um, but Philadelphia 76ers took care of business against the Mavericks with Embiid and Harden returning, so Definitely appreciate them keeping them out of our hair. So I'm going to go look at the standings here and see if I got a full grasp on this. They aren't always updated because there's still games being played. But so we're still, looks like we're two full games ahead of the Mavericks. One game plus the tiebreaker, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're still ahead of the Jazz. I think it looks like they're t- tied with the Mavericks. Okay, and then the Lakers are still ahead of us. Um, Timberwolves are playing right now, correct? Yes. Yeah, Timberwolves right now are playing against Phoenix on the road. And they are tied at 64. So it would be nice if the Suns could beat the Timberwolves and knock them closer to us. But my point is, like, it's far from over, man. Like, a lot of people thought that the loss against the Hornets ended our season. Um, now there's still games to be played. There's a couple winnable games to be played. Um, you know, kind of looking. I mean, what what we got? We got six games left. Let's let's just make predictions here, Maddie Mules. Let's do it. Um, okay. Let me pull it up here. Okay, so I'm pull up the Thunder schedule. Friday, we have five games. I apologize. So Friday we play the Indiana Pacers. Sunday we play the Suns. Tuesday. We play the Warriors in Golden State. Thursday, we play the Jazz in Utah. And then the next Sunday, we play the Grizzlies back in the Paycom Center to close out the season. So, in those five games, Matty Moles, what is your record prediction? Well, we're going to beat Memphis because they're going to be resting everyone. That's caveat, yes. Um, Well, I think they are going to be. So, in the standings right now, they're pretty firmly in the two spot. They're two and a half games above the Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the math gets a lot easier later in the season 
it's going to be tougher for them for the Kings to make up that kind of ground. I think they're going to be solidified in the two spot. So that's that's confirmed, pretty much in my in my book. Um, at Indiana, I think we win, right? So that's two wins. The other three are going to be tough. Um, by the time that we play Utah, second to last game of the season, they should be mathematically out of it, mm-hmm. and they should be resting guys. So potentially that's three wins, two of which we're getting because guy uh, teams are resting. That leaves Phoenix and Golden State. And keep in mind, we're a game under 500 as we speak right now. Well, both of those teams are kind of in a dogfight um, for the, the four through six seed and trying not to fall into the seven seed. Golden State right now is only a game and a half up. Uh, or excuse me, uh, Phoenix is only a game and a half up on the Timberwolves. And that's a difference between the four and the seven seed. So things are a little tight right now. We're going to get their best shot. Golden State's going to be healthy, I think, at that point. Um, certainly Phoenix is going to be healthy by that point unless Durant gets hurt again pregame. So it's it's going to be tough to win those two games. So I walked us through that. I think that we go three and two the remaining games of the season, and we finish right at 41 and 41. Okay. Wouldn't be terrible. You know, it'd be kind of fitting to end the season on 500 with our uh, struggles with being 500. Um, If I'm making predictions here, so I think we beat the Pacers. Uh, I don't think we beat the Suns because Devin Booker just owns us. Um, I. That Warriors game is a toss up for me. Uh, I'm just going to say we don't beat the Warriors, and I think we beat the Jazz and the Grizzlies, so 3-2 and two to end the year, and you said that puts – and so that's the exact same record as you, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's the same That's the same games won as me, too. All right, so. well, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to say we beat the Warriors. Daggone it. <laughs> so you're saying we go 4-1, and one, we finish 42-40. and 40. This is contingent on Shea coming back for the last four. Yes. Interesting. Okay, so where do you think that puts us seating wise? Forty-two and forty-two. Four no. Uh, forty-two, 42 and, 40. and forty. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. <laughs> um. Okay, so I think we move ahead to get the Pelicans. Uh, if we beat the Warriors, I, I don't know. Well, man, I, I think I'm gonna stick to my guns. Yeah, I said eight seed like two months ago. I'm going eight seed. I think it puts us in the eight seed. And that one loss for me, I think, puts us in the nine seed, but that means that we have a play-in game at Paycom um, going against probably New Orleans at that point. So, And hopefully Zion doesn't play. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So, Never know. Could be him. interesting. But, the, but what's, so, what's so shattering about that loss to the Hornets is that we potentially could have been knocking on the sixth seed Mm -hmm. and wouldn't have to deal with the play in at all. Yep. Absolutely. I think we was a game and a half out at that point from the sixth seed. And we just don't have, unless we run the table, I don't think we got a shot at the sixth seed. Probably not, but you know what? 
we didn't think we had a shot at the play-in going into the season, and this team just surpassed expectations. And you know what's fun about that, Matty Moles? We don't even have Chet Holmgren out there. And we don't have Mikal Bridges yet either. <laughs> or Damian Lillard. Okay. Hey, people did not like the Damian Lillard take, by the way. <laughs> I mean, they could say whatever they want, but as soon as – if they see – listen, if you see a Woj bomb or you see a Shams uh Shamwow. Whatever you want to call it, a Shamwow. <laughs> if you see that hit your notice and it's like – OKC Thunder is traded for what is it nine time All Star Damian Lillard and a blockbuster deal involving Lou Dort and multiple first round picks. You'd be like, "Oh snap! It's game on! Let's go! We are dangerous now. We're going to be good, but now we're like literally knocking on the door for a title." Like. Everybody that's saying, I hate this, I hate this, this is dumb, this is a, the dumbest thing ever, they would get over it real quick. The real question would be, what number would Dame wear in OKC? Because it probably wouldn't be zero. He's not wearing zero. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, no, I was going to say, though, kind of off topic, because I mentioned chat. Uh, if you remember, Matty Moles, in our famed stat chasers uh era uh we we dubbed davis bertons the pegasus, pegasus because it was a playoff of christos porzingis being the unicorn jeez i think we should give chet holmgren the pegasus nickname interesting i don't know what to do with that <laughs> yet it's okay um, we we can wait to see him play if you want to because well because we can't do a Griffin because that's easily that's easy that's easily or obviously Blake Griffin, right? So mm-hmm. we can't do that. You can do a Manticore. Manticore. Manticore is like a lion with dragon wings and a scorpion tail. <laughs> um Cerebus? Oh, the the three headed dog Cerberus, yeah. Cerberus, yeah. Um, potentially something like that. I don't know. I I want to hear what the listeners have to say for that because they're pretty creative. But, um, yeah. Well, I mean, because he's a three point score, a three level scorer, right? He does it uh, offensively, defensively. We don't really have special teams in basketball, but like, I don't know, like. You, you never know which guy you're going to get that night. I don't know. I got to need to see him play before I can give him a, a nickname. But, man, Bertans fell off. We gave him Pegasus, and he just became the worst, one of the worst contracts in the NBA. But Well, that's because he, he was At the time, man, he was he was dynamite. He was good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just casting my, casting my lot in for Pegasus, but I reserve the right to change that until we see him play. Uh, just had to throw that out there. <laughs> um, Matty Moles, is there anybody in this draft coming up that you were kind of looking at? So bef- before you say that, hang on, let me go to Tankathon real quick. I haven't been to Tankathon in a while, and that tells you how the season's going. Um, 
right now they have the Thunder at the 12 pick, which is about right because, you know, we're right at the fringe of the play-in. So uh, I think that if we make the play-in and don't make the playoffs, then that's where we'll be. We'll be at the 12 spot. Am I right in that? Um, I think right, well, depends on where we fall, right? Because... So in like the 11, 20, 20, the teams, make, 20 teams make the play in. Mm-hmm. So and then there's 10 left and then there's 10 left. So yeah. we're probably, and like I tweeted earlier, like the, it's still a real possibility that we miss the play in and we're the 10th spot, which is the actual worst spot to be in. Actually terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Literally so, the worst spot. So right now it's got us at the 12th spot. Um, if you've got a mock draft that you can pull up, you know, kind of pull up a mock draft and look around at those guys. Is there somebody that sticks out to you as a player that, you know, based on what we've seen this season so far in adding Chet that you think would be perfect for the Thunder? In that spot, mm-hmm. I don't know about perfect. A guy like Chris Murray could be interesting as another big body that I do really like bit. Chris Murray. Um, I liked his brother a lot <laughs> coming out, and Keegan Murray is just killing it from three. For just the broke the three-point record for a rookie. Like he's he's awesome for them. They, you know, people said you know, well, Jay Nivey didn't want to go there, and they they ate the fourth pick and and keeping Keegan Murray, and like maybe that wasn't the right move. No, it was the right move. That was exactly who they needed to take uh, for that roster. He fits beautifully alongside uh domus and and De'Aaron fox and all those guys so it's it's great good for him chris his identical twin has has a lot of skill in his game too so i think he would be just fine honestly though i think if the thunder pick had the 12th pick in this draft uh to start they would be drafting that for someone else either in a consolidation to bring in a star or somebody or to move up. Um, I don't think the Thunder would be staying at 12 one way or another here. But um, for sake of this, Chris Murray going 16th roughly is interesting. Keontae George out of Baylor, also an interesting fit, although we've got a lot of guys, uh, a lot of guards, but perimeter-based league, I guess you can't have too many of those guys. Um no other real bigs there that I'm super interested in because Hendricks goes at 11, the pick before us. So, yeah, yeah. that's kind of where we sit. Yeah, well, I was going to say Hendricks because, you know, he's in that range. I know that, like, in that specific mock, he goes before us. But, like, this is a guy that's six foot nine, long as all get out, is a guy that has great shot blocking instincts, a guy that knocked down 39.4% of his three-pointers on – 4.6 attempts per game. Like, it's not a low volume of three-point shooting for this guy. Like, he's a legit shooter, and he's a guy that can go up, finish lobs, rebound the basketball, has defensive versatility. Um, you know, I I don't remember who it was that Corey Tolba of No Ceilings compared him to, but I floated a comparison to him, and he really liked it. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it here. He reminds me a lot of Jeremy Grant. Like, I think that he has a game that can kind of translate like Jeremy Grant's did. But, like, he's further along now 
than Jamie Grant was as a rookie. Like he already is a good shooter. He already is a good positional defender. Like Jamie Grant relied a, relied a lot on his athleticism as a rookie, as a younger player, but this guy's game fits the NBA right now. And I'm not saying that you start him right off the bat, but just imagine having Taylor Hendricks and Chet Holmgren back there in the front court. Like, just roads closed, man. Like, you're, you're not getting any easy shots up around the rim. Like, just forget about it. I like the fit. Um, I think that's cheating because I couldn't take him because he was gone. But definitely, like – I said in that range. Out, Come on, boys. Out of, out of all the guys – out of all the guys mentioned, like obviously he's he's the best fit there for what he can provide us defensively and then in spots offensively. So yeah, I, I like the fit. That would be that would be beautiful if, if he would fall to us somehow. Very uh, you know, midish to late lottery. Um outside of the top three, I'm gonna throw this back at you. Mm-hmm. Outside of the top three, say we had the fourth pick. And the top three are Wimby, Scoot, Brandon Miller. Who are you taking at four? That's so tough, man. For a long time, I would just say Jairus Walker and forget about it. And that would be a fine pick. And I think he would help a lot right now. <sighs> But man, I I have fallen in love with Azor Thompson as a prospect. Okay. Like why is it just the I mean they're essentially the same size. They're the they same size. Play. They are twins, but Azor Thompson was the go-to defender. Like he is ridiculous defensively, positionally, blocking shots, getting steals. Like he is a menace on the defensive end. Amon Thompson is more athletic than Azor Thompson. I think I heard uh, KOC said that Amon Thompson is going to be in the top 5% um, in terms of athleticism in the NBA. Or no, he said top 1% in athleticism in the NBA. But Azor Thompson is going to be in the top 5% in athleticism as soon as he enters into the NBA. So it's like, you know, he's not Amon, but like he's still going to be like head and shoulders the best athlete on our team. Like he's crazy athleticism and he's a crazy guy in transition um between the two of them azor has the most shooting touch granted like don't look at his percentages it looks ugly just kind of like josh giddies did i'm not saying he's a knockdown shooter but i'm saying if you look at the back half of the year he showed a lot more promise at that end of the floor uh i know from all the talent evaluators like both of the thompson kids specifically have crazy work ethics like they want to be the best in the game like they have that drive that uh i i'm always gonna find admirable you know like in shay but um yeah i I just kind of bet on this guy man like everything about him like he's he fills a positional need, but he's the guy that can come in and play wing. He's a guy that, you know, kind of size up and play, uh, you know, play the four, even small ball five in some instances. And if you put him out there on the floor with Josh Giddy, Shea to Alexander, Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren, like talk about pace, man, like transition, forget about it spacing, forget about it. And like people talk about Amon Thompson being a better creator and, I get it. Like his passes are flashier, 
Guess who led the OTE in assists, Matty Rolls? His brother? Ozer Thompson led, <laughs> led OTE in assists. Amin was right behind him, but Ozer actually led him in assists. So he's a guy that kind of fits the Thunder in terms of you know positional need, um, size of his position, making decisions with the basketball because that's what everybody wants to say nowadays. Like, it, And his his potentials through the roof and we have chipping one for a reason. I know Josh Giddy's his pet project right now. I know he's got some other players on the team that he's working with, but like if you can get this guy to shoot, you have another all-star on your hands. Like, I mean, could he be a McCall? Yeah. I mean, it's in the realm of possibilities mm-hmm. and he's like, I love Mikhail Bridges. Like, like I love him like my I don't love him like my own son, but I love the guy. Like I want him so bad. But Ozra Thompson's a tank, dude. Like Mikael Bridges is like thin and lanky and he's long. But Ozra Thompson's a tank. Like he's chiseled. So yeah, that's that's what I would go. Like I would I would bank more on upside that can still help you in stretches right now. But I, I wouldn't be mad about Jairus Walker. I think you could plug Jairus Walker in immediately, and he would be fine on this team. I mean, Bridges is 6'6", 209. Um, Osar is 6'7", So essentially, like, the same build. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he's a little cut. bit bigger a little bigger of a frame to to put that on so Mm -hmm. in his prime you could see him sitting around like 216 ish probably on that six seven frame um and yeah that's that's pretty scary if he can if if he can get some of those skills tightened up obviously the dude's what 20 years old like god he has a lot of time um, that's, that's very interesting. I, I haven't done enough research to distinguish a ton between the two twins. Um, I do know that the league that they play in, is just like kind of has a pickup basketball feel and it's not so much in the half court without, with the defense and everything, but, um, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to, to see both of them. My, my fun, um, draft day uh takeaway would be if like we can't jump i think it'd be cool for like orlando to have the bulls pick jump into the top four and they have four and five and they just take both twins back to back i would cry that would be that would be pretty cool and the fact that 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 would be a team in the east like as as much as like i want the pistons to win the lottery if we don't have a chance at it, I want the Pistons to win it because I want Wimby to go there. Um, I I would love for Charlotte to get Scoot. Like, let's just go ahead and have like the East just dominate the top of this draft board. Yeah, I don't want Scoot to go to the Rockets. They don't deserve him. <laughs> they might ruin him though. Like, can how would he him and in Green like? They can't coexist together, right? I There's mean, no way that works out. Theoretically, they have the G League and I, uh, you know, kind of background. You know, they didn't play together, but you know, they 
had some of the same coaches, and you know, so they they're probably close to each other. So I don't know. It'd be it'd I mean, be interesting. Stylistically, I don't know how that works out. Oh yeah, I mean, Scoot Scoot's a great playmaker. Like, he's a phenomenal playmaker. Jalen, I mean, at that point, you know, KPJ goes to the bench, or you cut ties with him, or whatever. But like, I I think that they can kind of you know, not necessarily Jaylen- your turn, my turn, but I think that they could definitely alternate ball handling. You think Jalen's cool with the like? 14 seconds, Rockets ball down by one. You think you think Jalen's cool with with uh, Scoop bringing the ball up and dictating the offense? Uh, I don't know. I uh, doubt it. I doubt it. But okay. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I trust I, the Rockets to to mess this up one way or another. Unless they get Wimby, then he's too good to mess up at that point. Yeah, it is possible, man. Hummels, uh, before we get off here, I just wanted to ask a fun question. As the listeners know, uh, I've been watching Silicon Valley. Um, I officially finished it today. It was amazing. It was hilarious. It was my comfort show in this rough stretch this past week. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, this this is a show that I was always like, you know, curious about, but I never like got to watch. And when I tell you, I legitimately like hearty belly laughed at certain moments in the show. Like I don't in other shows. Like I, I, I love this show. So I wanted to ask you, cause I thought about this myself. If I was to ask you what your top five comedy shows that make you like literally laugh because you know sometimes you'll see something in a show and it's funny and you'll kind of do that like excel through your nostrils laugh like like that kind of thing but like i mean legitimately like laugh top five and if you need a second i can give you mine that's hard yeah i need you to give me a second because i i don't belly laugh to a lot like consistently See, I don't either, but these shows kill me, all right? So I'll go ahead and tell you mine. So once Ted Lasso, um, I mean, it's just... <laughs> you belly laughed at Ted Lasso, though? Oh, my gosh, dude. Ted Lasso kills me. Coach Beard kills me. Roy Kent kills me. Like, so many characters in that show, like, just get me. Like, some of, like, the aw-shucksness of... Ted Lasso, like the physical comedy of like how mad Rebecca gets and how mad Roy gets. Like, yeah, like I barely laugh at Ted Lasso. Um, the League is another show that just like absolutely kills me. The relatability, uh, the absurdity, um, quite frankly, the vulgarity of some of the jokes just absolutely cracks me up. Um, Silicon Valley is one, obviously. So I got those three. I I can't remember what I had. Uh, so I have Brooklyn Nine Nine in there. And if you haven't watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, I think they're like the same creators of Parks and Rec in The Office, which get an honorable mention from me. Um, but it's different because they don't have the uh, the interview like in show interview with the characters, and you know it's it's a little bit different pace. And so like yeah, I I really love that one. I think it's hilarious. And then the last one is New Girl. If you haven't seen New Girl, great cast, great 
uh, diversity of characters and just a million funny moments. I, I was watching it when I had COVID and I was just sending Chelsea like clips just randomly throughout the day of like funny moments that we forgot about. So yeah, that's my top five. I mean, I like Brooklyn nine, nine. That's more like, that's just kind of funny. Like I feel good. I enjoy watching this show. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted Lasso, same thing, except when it's emotional and sad and it's definitely sad sometimes that show will range um, you. <laughs> it, it will completely agree on the league like i'd have to say that's probably <laughs> my my number one i could throw that in like yoba goya like yes it's, like, <laughs> it's just chalupa um, batman chalupa batman like that's there's so many things mr majiblets like it's great great show top to bottom um child please so i great the league got it um Oh God! You said you said another one that was really good too, but the only, the I, only the ones I said was Silicon Valley and New Girl. Uh, New Girl and um, God, there was there was one. Oh, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Completely, I, I gotta watch that. Complete, like obviously very disturb disturbing people. They have a lot wrong with all of them. Got it. Um. Definitely not who I am in character, like if as like a, a person, like to my core, mm-hmm. but just the absurdity of that show. Can I offer you an egg in this trying time? Like Danny DeVito falling out of a couch, like a couch giving birth to a naked Danny DeVito. It's just so <laughs> it's so great. Like there are so many good parts of that show. It's just they a leprechaun in the basement. Like it's just so much that. Yeah, so I I just say those two. There's not really a whole lot that makes me like belly laugh. There's a lot of like witty humor and stuff that I'm like, that's good, that's good. Um, not a whole lot that kills me. I will say that I have been going through. I finished. I'm all caught up on Mayans now, and I'm going back through Sons of Anarchy, and watching Billy the Kid alongside that, and they're just really good. So if you need some shows, um, Sutter writes Sons of Anarchy, the best writing on television, especially the last season. And then Billy, the kid's been really good. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know what we're watching next. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to watch next after Silicon Valley. I, I like watching the comedy shows that Chelsea would never watch with me. Well, whenever I'm just watching stuff by myself, like whenever she goes to sleep or if I'm slow at work. So, I might add it sunny uh, to the to the rotation. Oh my gosh, the way that they ruin some people's lives—it's just—it's appalling in a way that's like it goes beyond absurd. And then it, it, but you lean into it, and like you feel a little dirty after watching it, like kind of like because you root for people you detest, like, but it's. It's great. It's it's a great show. So well written. Yep. Patty's yeah. Pub. I want to go. I have to try to touch base on that one. All right, moles. Well, that uh, I think that about does it, man. Uh, thank you for 
coming on the pod with me and thank you for being willing to step up yesterday even though i told you you didn't have to after we lost <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> but yeah uh listeners thank you for bearing with us as we as i go through everything with nova um as i said hopefully he's home sooner than later i still don't know what friday is going to hold for me but hopefully we can get some of these other guys to be on the pod uh, i know cone's been super busy with his many sources of media that he has to put out uh tyranny and alex been really busy with work obviously dolan uh, can only do late night stuff and jerry has been in new mexico for the past few days so uh, hopefully a return to normalcy starting this weekend as we get into the final stretches of the regular season before we're doing play-in podcasts so until then Hope everybody has a great night. God bless. Hoop when you can. And as always, thunder up. Thunder up. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.